Welcome to the New Song Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Stephen about Jesus and how much he loves you. If we can serve you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok by searching New Song CS. If you've been impacted by this message, join those who so generously give so we can reach more people with the story of Jesus. Visit newsongcs.com slash give or text the word easy to 94000. Now sit back and enjoy this message. To us, I love Palm Sunday. I love Easter more, but I do love it. I do, do love Palm Sunday. We're a series called Life. Don't, don't judge me for the colors I picked for this because I think they look nice together. So does Dutch Brothers. I stole it from them. <laughs> but um, we're in a series called Life. We're talking about the stories right before Jesus' death that brought us life. And today I'm going to talk about just one more of them. And I encourage you, this week, you want to be spiritual, you want to be a good Christian, then try this. Read Read the stories right before Jesus' death. They're amazing. They will bring you life. They will bring you encouragement. That's, that's, uh, they're, they're on purpose. He did his life. He, he orchestrated his life a certain way on purpose because he's trying to communicate something to us. Um, and I'm going to highlight just one of those today. Lord, we thank you for this time. I pray you anoint your word. I pray you anoint all the ears in the room. If they're tired, I pray that you would wake them up. I pray that they would hear from you today. I pray we would all hear something fresh from you today. Pray we not leave here the same as we came in. Holy Spirit, speak to someone. Bring them life, encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I went to... Uh, a parade every year called the Rose Parade. You guys watch it on TV. I lived real close to where the Rose Parade was, and Cynthia even lived closer uh, for most of her life. She was born in Pasadena, Arcadia, right in that area. And um, we go every year to the Rose Parade. It's beautiful. You You see everything. But on TV, it doesn't capture what it's like in person. That's kind of like our church service. Maybe not, but I see the camera. He's doing something to it right now. It doesn't quite capture. Right, everyone? Say, right, everyone? It doesn't capture the life that's in the room. But, you know, on TV you see it, and it does look a certain way, but it really is. It's just a beautiful day. January 1st every year is calm. It's warm. It's still uh, the, the founder of the Rose Parade was a Christian, and they say, we honor God, so every time the Rose Parade happens on a Sunday, we put it on the next day because we want to honor God's day. And so they say, that's why we always have great weather. I don't know if that's true. But you don't see the ooing and the aahing from the kids as these beautiful floats go by. It's quite the spectacle. It really is. Um, roses will fall off the, off the floats and you're able to run out. Kids run out and grab the roses. And, and it's just a really awesome experience. And um, I encourage you, if you ever have a chance to go to Pasadena for the Rose Parade, do that. But it's not unlike the setting. 
of the parade that we're talking about today. Probably the biggest parade Jerusalem had had since David came to town dancing. You know, it says he danced so so much, David danced so much, they lost his clothes. I don't read the Bible. It's really interesting. The Bible's got all kinds of stories. But um, this, this moment was probably the most exciting moment they'd seen in thousands of years, a thousand years at least. Jesus finally coming to town, the Messiah. And the people were, were uh, saying, Hosanna, they were quoting Zacharias prophecy that he comes in the name of the Lord. I bet you if it was on TV, they would not capture how exciting it was either. But what else they wouldn't capture is that this crowd was eerily, is that a word? Eerily? E-E-R-I-L-Y? Like a mob because They were expecting Jesus to be a conquering king, and he came to be a peaceful king. They thought he was going to bring a whole lot of bloodshed to their enemies, but all he brought was bloodshed to himself, and I just came up with that right here. That was good. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this that's helping me. It makes me think, um, because the people were worshiping him for who they wanted him to be, it makes me think we should be careful the way we worship God. Oh, how he loves us. Please buy me a Tesla. Whatever you're praying, what you're hoping God does for you, please do this, this, this. We come with our requests and we forget our praise. And it makes me think we need to be careful how we worship, that we don't worship Jesus for who we want them to be, but really just for just, and it's not just, but simply for who he is. Worship him for who he is. I don't think it's by accident that the Bible, you know, is written by people, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Forty different authors inspired by the Holy Spirit all come together, make a cohesive, perfect book right here. I believe that. And it's not by accident the way certain stories happen. And I think it was contrasted with the story right before in Mark on purpose, talking about worship. And that's what I want to talk about today. The story right before Jesus came into the city. It's also the story right after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. There's a lot going on in the city. There's a lot going on in the world. People have heard about it. The world at that time was pretty small. But people were hearing about it. And you'll find the story that we're going to talk about. It's not just a story. Come next week. Because we're going to talk about a story that is above all stories. Bring a friend. Easter. It's our day, right? We love Easter as a church. It's going to be a really great day. Come this Friday, it's not just a story either. We're going to talk about Jesus' death. We're going to have a cross up here. We're going to literally nail our sins to the cross. How are we going to do that? Maybe you've been in the past, you'll see. We're going to have candlelight. We're going to celebrate communion, special music. It's going to be great. 
Also, this is off the subject. It's not spiritual. It's kind of spiritual, but not really. Ladies' tea. I would be a miss. I would be uh, in trouble by Cynthia if I didn't mention. Uh, the tea's coming up. Ladies' tea. All ladies, y'all want to come. It's really cool. They, it's, perp, it's, it's amazing. It's a great time together. Make sure you sign up. You can't sign up yet. You can buy tickets next week, starting on Easter. But this story that we're going to talk about today is found in Matthew 20, Mark 10, and Luke 18. All three Gospels put this, put this miracle either right before or just a little bit before the entry into Jerusalem. And it takes place maybe a few days after Jesus, maybe even the day after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that's where it is. Mark 10. Can you put it up there? We're going to read verse by verse. So um, I'll stop a lot. Uh, we'll get out of here. Don't worry. But I want to help you understand this. Then they came to Jericho. That's Jesus' friends. As, oh, it says it right there. Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd. Because now Jesus' name is getting out there. He was telling people, don't talk about my healing that I've done. Keep it to yourself. He was telling that to people because he didn't want to leave this earth too early. Even though he had all control, he, he was careful. Now it's getting close to the end. He's walking through from Bethany to Jericho. There's a large crowd. We're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. I don't know why Mark never mentioned the name of any of the people he healed, but he mentioned Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Timaeus means defiled, impure, uh, infamous. It means uh, uh, an outcast. I don't know if he mentioned it for that reason or not. Maybe to just kind of say something to folks around here that this guy is not, not good news, all right? He meets him on the road begging. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus began to shout, Jesus. Very important that you hear this part. Son of David. You can stop there. Have mercy on me. Imagine this beggar. Mark says a beggar. All the other two gospels say there was another person with him. Mark, if you notice, one of the short, the shortest gospel leaves out lots of details all the time. Maybe just to be succinct, which I appreciate. You want to read something short? Read Mark. Okay, so Mark says he's, he's, he's there. Imagine what Bartimaeus must have been going through every day, sitting and begging with his friend. How did he know who Jesus was? I don't know. Other gospels say that people were already talking before, Bar before Jesus got to Bartimaeus in Jericho. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Just like the kids play when you're growing up. You know, I, I did the kids play and I was in it. And Jesus is coming this way. Hosanna, right? Um, they weren't saying Hosanna yet. They weren't waving palm branches. But people already knew Jesus was coming. And Bartimaeus, I don't know how long he had been shouting. 
Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't know which one was Jesus because it was a big crowd. He could have been shouting for hours. I don't know. But it doesn't matter regardless of how long he was shouting, regardless of our questions of what was going on around us, regardless of his name that meant what it meant, polluted, contaminated, defiled, Regardless of all these circumstances, I want you to know one thing and put it on the screen. Life blossoms, life blossoms through our pointed declarations. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This was a pointed declaration. This wasn't just saying Jesus' name. You know how we'll pray sometimes? Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. What, who are you praying to? You know, I'll say that to my, used to say that to my kids. I can't even hear who you were praying to. This man is shouting, son of David. This was a um, loaded proclamation. Son of David had connotations that were way beyond how smart Bartimaeus was. Because what this... What this meant by him calling them the son of David, first of all, that he's related to David, the great king. But also the prophecy was that the great king, uh, uh, David, would be, uh, would be followed by, in his lineage, the Messiah. It also meant that this man believed that Jesus was God's son. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a nice man. He was son of David. I don't know how he knew it. And all kinds of people on the road that day could have taken a lesson from Bartimaeus because he knew something others didn't have. He may not have had, oh, this is good. He may not have had sight. He was blind. But he had spiritual insight way beyond Beth at the time. Maybe you would have been the blind, I don't know. Way beyond us. He had spiritual insight. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. I think I would love to do a series because there's like 10 more things I'd love to share here. But I'd love to do a series just about blind, about this guy, and do 10 different takes on this story. But anyways, let's move on. Um, Many rebuked him, verse 48. Stop yelling. Stop it, you son of Timaeus. Be quiet. Imagine if the person next to you at church, you're worshiping God. Hosanna, Hosanna. Imagine the person at church says, be quiet. You're worshiping too much. Right? That's what the people were saying. Many rebuked him, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me wherever you are. Life blossoms through pointed declarations, but life also blossoms through passionate faith. Some people have puny faith. I made that up too right now, but puny starts with a P. They have puny faith, but we need passionate faith. Where are the passionate, faithful people, right? Look at the person next to you and say, 
what are you doing here? Where's the pastor? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. He shouted all the more. He had passionate trust. Nobody says that shouting gets the attention of Jesus any more than whispering. Jesus, I just pray. That no one says that's the truth. But I think that it got Jesus' attention. I think Jesus sometimes, look at everybody's eyes. He honors desperation. And sometimes he wearies at the opposite of desperation, whatever that is. I'm praying, Jesus, where are, why aren't you coming through? And Jesus, I don't, I, don't quote me on this, but maybe he's like, oh, sorry, I, I missed it because I didn't, I didn't see any passion. I didn't see any faith. I honor faith. I honor desperation, but whatever you got, I, I don't know. Life, death happens wherever you are, but life happens through passionate faith. Can I hear an amen? That means that that's not you, that's somebody else, right? That doesn't have passionate faith. Jesus took notice of him. Even when the crowd told him, shh, he praised all the more. If he had a palm branch, he probably would have waved it. Jesus, wherever you're at, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, verse 49, and said, um, call him. Now, there's a whole sermon here. Why he didn't just go to him. He said, call him. He wanted the man to come to him. Sometimes he gets tired of us sitting in our seat, and he wants us to come to him, right? He says, call him. So they called the blind man. Disciples, they didn't say to him, oh, you little Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Defiled and pure, you're nobody, but he wants you. No, it says, Jesus' disciples said, cheer up. I, I, we were right where you were at one time. We thought that we were condemned too. We thought we were defiled too. But now, Jesus, son of David, who you called yourself, he's calling you. Relax on your feet. It's a good thing. I want to tell you this, life blooms, life blossoms. Life, life happens through personal, personal relationship. Personal, personal, personal. Not my relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus. That's where life takes place. Well, I just can't seem to see the, uh, God working in my life. Is it your thing or is it somebody else's thing? Life happens through personal relationship. And if I knew how to play the keyboard at this time, I would play the perfect chord, and I would say this. Ooh, that's not pretty. I know that one chord. I would say this. Jesus. Jesus wants you to know, my friend, that life comes through personal relationship and he want me to pause seriously and speak through the Holy Spirit to you. I see you. I see you, 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 I see you. You might think you're impure, defiled, infamous. You might think simply that you're not known by God. This has got the Spirit on it. 
for you, my sister, my brother. I'm being careful not to look specifically in your face. But I see you. I know who you are. I've called you by name. I don't know if you feel like a social outcast. You feel invisible. You feel like Jesus doesn't notice you. He says this. It's personal. I'm all about the one. I am. I, it's really important, the hundred. And it's God talking here to you. It's really important, the hundred. But you know what's really important to me? I had Jesus tell the parable of the sheep, the one sheep that ran away. That's what's really important to me. I will lead the 99 like this because I know they're okay. And I'll go find you. And I see you. I see you today. It's personal. It's always personal with me, Jesus would say. It's never like vague. It's never somebody else's thing. It's always personal or it's nothing. It's personal or it's nothing. Okay, I'm moving on. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. It's 11-11. What does that mean? Nothing, I don't think. But 11-11. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Why does it say he threw his cloak aside? Mark doesn't give any details, hardly ever. And he says he threw his cloak aside. I studied way too much for that one. These are the things I learned. One theologian, or a few say this. This is probably the safest. His cloak meant a lot to him. His cloak was valuable to him. A lot of people only had one cloak, one coat, one blanket. He lived outside. It was very important to him. If he dropped it, there's a crowd. Someone would have stole it. He didn't care about his cloak as much as he cared about getting to Jesus. He left it. Because he didn't expect to be cold anymore. Maybe he wasn't going to sleep on the side of the road begging anymore. Here's another. Here's another thought. The cloak was used to catch the alms, the money. That's all he did. Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. He was from London. And he came to Jericho. And he said, alms for the poor. And he would catch them with his cloak. He's good. Huh? He catched them with his cloak. That was the way he caught, maybe that was why he said, I'm not going to need this anymore. For I will throw my coat to the side. <laughs> he laid his coat down. Maybe he laid it down in honor of, of God coming down the, the street. Like later, they would throw their coats down. Here's the other thought. And I like this one the best. Um, and there's a lot of proof that this could be true. When there was a blind man or someone who could not work, the church would issue them, a church issued, a government issued, they're both basically the same thing, a coat to wear. Then people would know this person's not faking. There's no way they can work. There's no way they're going to survive unless Social Security is not going to help them. We don't have it. Give them something when you walk by. If they're wearing it, give them something. And the man says, when Jesus calls him, I will no longer need this. I take it off. I take off my security. And I go to Jesus and say, have mercy on me. I, don't, I won't need it anymore. For us, throwing off our coat could be all kinds of things. I don't have a coat. 
I don't have a cloak that I need to give up. Yes, we could, we could, if we, if I was a prophet, I'd tell each of you what your cloak is, but the Holy Spirit will do that for me. Is your cloak um, disbelief? Is your cloak um, uh, cliche statements about Jesus, religiousness? Is your cloak uh, a lack of trust? Is your cloak uh, disappointment because Jesus didn't come through here, here? Oh, yeah, here. I'm making a list, by the way, Jesus, of the places you didn't come through. Is your cloak you're laying down today? I'm not going to be disappointed anymore with you. I'm taking a risk, and I'm coming to you as the Son of God. I'm laying it aside. Maybe your cloak is regret. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Whatever. Maybe it's addiction. Americans are addicted to all kinds of things. Can we say, I am free from that today? Take it off. Come to Jesus. Oh, man, this, this story preaches, all right? Life blossoms through unparalleled, doesn't start with the P, but the second part does, unparalleled surrender, not half-hearted surrender. I've heard people say, oh, I half-heartedly do this. You guys use another word, maybe. I half, don't do that with God. Uh-uh. Unparalleled surrender. Full surrender. I throw off my cloak. I yell, I shout, I don't care what anybody thinks. I surrender to you. I'm reminded of this scripture. It's the only scripture I'm going to share besides what we're talking about today. Hebrews 12.1, the living Bible. It says it like this. Paul said to us about your Christian life, your walk, Sometimes it's called a walk. Most of the time it's called a run. He says, since we have such a huge crowd of witnesses, people watching from the grandstands, talk about Moses, God of Jacob, God of David, your grandparents that prayed for you, right? That grandma that prayed for you until you finally came to Jesus, your mom, your dad, let us strip off. Strip it off. Anything that slows us down or holds us back. Especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Let us throw aside. And let, oh, there's the run. And let us run. With patience, the particular race that God has set before us. I see the picture, not of the 50-yard dash. On your marks, get set. Jaden is going to be in the special, uh, special Olympics. You know, people don't know what that is, but I don't know what it is, really. But he, he's going to be in track for the Special Olympics starting tomorrow night. And he's going to do the 50-yard um, dash. And really, he's really fast. He really is. He really, really is. He's really fast. And um, he, he's going to, but the picture I see is not the 50-yard dash. It's the run 
with patience. It's the marathon run where you run backwards. No, where you run. And I, when I run, I, 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 I can relate with this run with patience because I'll be running through my neighborhood about this fast and there'll be people walking by me, right? But run, run with patience. Don't use all your energy at once. It's not 50 yards, it's 26 miles, it's a marathon. So you need to get rid of the coat. You need to get rid of the addiction. You need to get rid of the junk food. You need to get rid of the soda. You need to get rid of the, not the coffee. You keep the coffee. You need to get rid of the, the sin and run with patience because after a while, if you stay in your porn addiction or if you stay in your alcohol addiction or if you stay in your drug addiction or if you stay in your food addiction or if you stay in your... Um, What's another addiction? Don't say one because then we'll think you have it. Um, if you, if you, um, you know, your addiction, you stay with it. You stay with your sin. You're gonna get, you're gonna get tired out. Obviously, I'm not tired at all. See, I'm not tired. But you get, you get tired out, and you can't run with patience. And he says, throw it aside, throw the cloak aside, make this your life first. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one. The Living Bible, it's better than the other ones. I like the way it says it there. Verse 51, let's go back to the story. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Well, that's a silly question. And that's a sermon we could talk about another time. But he asks the blind man, blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Why does he ask him this? Before we go forward, I know that Jesus would ask you the same. Ask me the same. I already dealt with it. That's why sermons are a great thing for a pastor to, to study. Because they have to wrestle with it for themselves or else it's not very honest when they talk to anyone else about it. So it's in my heart, whether it's in your heart yet. And it's in my heart and I had to wrestle with that. What do you want me to do for you? Oh, I don't need anything. Right? That's usually the answer. But before we go forward, we need to answer this for ourselves in the present tense. What do you want me to do for you? It's a way that Jesus asks, do you have passionate trust? Do you have unparalleled surrender? Do you, are you ready to put your faith into action? Are you ready to speak life? Then speak it. What, what is it that, no, you don't need to do it. But Jesus is saying, what is it? What is it that you want? You want anything? No? Are you quiet? Okay. I guess nothing. Tell me, Jesus is saying. When you speak life, I will do this. I will help you. Well, he doesn't do it the way we want. Well, that's ne neither your business or mine. But maybe for you today, Jesus asks you and you say, well, you know what I need you to do for me. I just talked about it. I, the coat, the coat thing. I need you to, uh, I need to get rid of it. Maybe you see, but you don't really see. I want to see. I want to really see. I want to see not with despair sunglasses, not with uh, regret sunglasses, not with depression, not with sadness, not as the victim. But as the victor, I want to see. I could see Bartimaeus thinking, um, kind of like us. Oh, 
uh, you can't do this. You're, you're afraid to say because you've been disappointed in the past. Oh, Jesus, you don't want to hear what I, I need. I'm blind, but you don't want to hear it because I've been blind my whole life. It's not going to happen. I, I, never mind. Keep Go on your way. I don't want to bother you. Bartimaeus could have done this, but he knows that God is real. He knows that he knows that he knows you're the son of David. I know who you are. I want to see, and I know you can do it. Worship team, would you come forward? We're going we're gonna to be closing real quick. When Jesus asked, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've been blind and now I see. It's like the perfect story. Life blossoms through plain petition. Life blossoms, put that up there, through plain petition. When we admit what we need from Jesus. We often don't admit it. I hate the way we pray. Oh, dear Lord. And you can, you can start to play this. It'll get me to be finished real soon. Dear Lord, give us traveling mercies. There's nothing wrong with that, but give us traveling mercies. Be with us. Keep us safe. Amen. That's it? That's what you want me to do for you? Jesus says, be plain with your petition. Stop your religious talk and tell me, what do you want? Jesus, I declare today, what if we did this? I pointedly declare that my house would be a house of miracles, that my kids would have the favor of God everywhere they walk, that they would have favor with you and favor with man, that our hands would be anointed to pray for the sick. Lord, I pray, you know, what if we declare, declared that way? Well, that's kind of religious. No, that's not religious. That's real. Kids will remind us of this. We were in the car on the way somewhere the other day, and, um, oh, man, I wasn't planning to tell this, so I don't remember the context. But Jaden from the back seat, he said, praise God. He said it like this, praise God. Not trying to be like a pet, like some pastor, because he hasn't been around pastors that talk like that. My old, my old pastor said that like a hundred times a sermon. Praise God. And it was good. Like he really believed in speaking life. And um, Jaden said, praise God. And I'm like, praise God. And then I thought, yes. And it was kind of not easy for me to say, praise God. Because I was, I was fighting that religious, like, I don't want to just say something to say it. Praise God. And he did this. Praise God. In his hand. And I said, praise God. And, and I would encourage you today that when you speak life, you see life. I felt the, the atmosphere change in the car. So I encourage you today. And then I'm going to come up and close. We're going to sing this song that might seem awkward. It's not a slow song. It's called I Am Free. And I want you to declare, praise God, I want you to declare that I am free. I'm, I'm leaving my cloak here. I am telling you what I want you to do. I am 
free today. I need what you came into the city to do. You came to be the king of my life, of, of my heart. I let I see a lot of blind people in the church, don't you? Not me, but somebody else, right? I see it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I came that you might have life. And so I ask you this question to relate it with Palm Sunday. What street do you encounter Jesus today? This was the street to Jericho. Maybe hours later, it was the street to Jerusalem. He's going through the gates. Are you the Bartimaeus or his friend? Yeah, tell him. They say, they say that maybe Mark didn't mention the other friend in his gospel because Bartimaeus did most of the talking. Can you do that? You need friends like that around you. But what street do you encounter Jesus? On the road to Jericho, blind and begging with many cloaks? Or on the road to Jerusalem, waving your palm branch? You may not be outwardly blind, but shouting what you want Jesus to be for you, but inwardly maybe blind, religious reasoning, ideas of what you think you want Jesus to do for your country, but what, what is, what, what, what's going on in your heart? It strikes me that both events, these two stories, were about worship. Both of them were about worship. Not Sunday morning from the two songs and the two fast songs and then the, no, the worship of your life. They're both about worship. One, the blind man said who God is and one, the crowd, don't give them too bad of a rap, but said who they wanted God to be. And Jesus says, just let me be me. It was the same with Mary and Martha the week before that we talked about. They wanted him to be a certain way. Would you come this day? Jesus says, no, I'm going to come this day instead. Four days later, Jesus, often Jesus does things different than we expect. Okay? And I close with this. We worship him for who he is. Leave the outcome to him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Nothing else. Have mercy on me. Don't be prideful. Don't come in a certain way. Have mercy on me. I need it. And speak plainly what you need from him. Lord, we thank you that you are the son of David. You are the son of God. You are the great uh, physician. You are the healer. You are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are the risen king that we celebrate next week, that you are alive. We thank you that you are the sacrifice that died as well for our forgiveness. Lord, we declare today that life will blossom through our pointed declarations. Lord, I pray that when we leave this place that we would have a passionate trust, a passionate faith, that we would have a personal relationship. Not our grandma's faith, but our own faith. That we would have a wholehearted, not half-hearted, surrender. And finally, that we would give you honest repentance. Really ex admit to you what we need. I pray that no one would be bound when they leave this place, that we would have freedom. We are free it's for freedom. We were set free. If you've been impacted by this message, join those who so generously give 
so we can reach more people with the story of Jesus. Visit newsongcs.com give or text the word easy to 94000.